Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game. And finding out what all the data means. Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm your host, Mark Sports from the Tennis Menu. We also have the man with the numbers, the man with the new trim. It's the, the man with all the data, Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Thanks, Shane, once again for joining us. Hi, everyone. Yes, I thought I'd go the uh, aerodynamic look and a little bit faster on court when I do get back on, but... Um... Yeah, it's great to be um, uh, bringing this to you, and it's great that uh, there's easing of restrictions and we're allowed back on court. Yeah, it is, it is good. It's actually nice to be back on court every now and then to be able to mix up between uh, my smelly little office and, uh, and the, the fresh air of the tennis court. But obviously, with your fresh trim, the data tells us that when you trim up nice and short, like the swimmers, you go nice and through the water. And obviously, Shane's uh, taken that motto into today's session. So... Shane, we're going to talk a little bit today about something that probably might help our listeners put together what we've been talking about. We've been really discussing the matter of taking the first strike in the rallies and being a bit more aggressive and how the best players, you know, generally dictate from that first shot, etc. But there's also another element to that. And, you know, a lot of coaches out there talk to me about taking the initiative, but there's also the safety factor and the ability to be able to repeat uh, success and be able to continue to make the ball when we need to. And today's all about attacking with safety and you've got some really good numbers and examples on players that are able to I guess take the initiative but also do it with a safer option yeah absolutely so uh, I think like Mark said we're, we're still the messaging still the same we, we, we do want our players to take the initiatives attack and be aggressive but we do want to add that layer of safety or risk management to this and so, some of the examples um, on tour are, are really good to look at so the first one I've got is Novak Djokovic changing directions on his backhand now this is in my opinion an attacking play because uh, he's one he's seven percent less likely to make an error switching um, up the line with his backhand than if he were to run around and try and hit an inside in but he's equally as effective in terms of winning the point so we might start there mark it's a, it's a good example i think novak has one of the best change of direction backhands in the world and i think you know, on the men's tour especially, I think the, the women do it really well. I think the women have always been notorious for having the ability to uh, to change direction. But with Novak, he does it so well and you just can't read when he's going there. So I don't know if, and I don't know what the numbers tell you, but I don't know if he wins the point of that particular shot or it's probably two balls later where he's able to change direction and then the ball comes back to the forehand wing and he then dictates from the forehand. But I feel like that's his, his go-to pattern of play is to get the ball back on a forehand terms by changing direction with the backhand. You hit the nail on the head. It's actually the setup. So he attacks and sets it up. And then he can, um, in the subsequent shots, he takes advantage of the thing that he set up with the change in direction. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a weapon for him. And 
it always has been. He's so strong on that backhand side. And I feel like you can't attack his backhand. His backhand will be, you know, uh, defensively unbelievably good all the time. And we, when we coach against someone like that, you always have to attack through his forehand to be able to try and force some error because the backhand wing is... He's definitely his shield and he's able to do so much with it that it actually puts you into such defense when he can change direction like that. The uh, next example that I've got is uh, Ash Barty on the slice. And I, and I think from uh, 2018 onwards, she's actually slicing over 60% of her backhands. Um, in, in some matches, but it's high um, So for me, those slices are not just defensive slices. They're attacking slices deliberately. The intent by her is deliberately putting her opponents in uncomfortable positions and, and then setting up subsequent shots for her as well. Yeah, I think Ash is a really interesting one because if you're a female player or you're a coach coaching a female player out there and you have a player that has the ability to slice. It is such a weapon on the women's tour. The, the female game is, I call it like a little bit of a ping pong game where they're playing so lateral and, and using each other's ball speed. But when Ash slices, she takes the speed away from the opponent. So then the opponent has to generate the ball speed all the time. And now with that, you know, obviously you said 60% of the time she's using that ploy. She doesn't only just slice it, she changes the length of the play. So she might go a bit shorter with the slice. She might go a bit deeper with the slice. She takes the ball speed off it. Um, and these are the kind of things where she changes the gears all the time. And that messes with the opponent's rhythm. And then it makes the player obviously generate more force. The other thing with generating more force, it's actually more energy exerting. And the player is um, exerting so much energy to generate force all the time off that slice backhand. She's also fatiguing the, the player at the other end as well. So there's so many elements to the slice backhand of Ash Barty that plays in it, into, into her hands really well. One of the other things that, um, that, that I looked at, and, and it's a good example, is, is Roger Federer on, on return, particularly against the big servers. He has such a great record against him. And, and part of it, he's, he's taking the return early with shorter swing and that sort of return and then the subsequent return plus one is where he takes the attack to the opponent quite well. Yeah, he does. And I feel like, you know, with Rog, he does a similar thing to what uh, Ash Barty does. They attack with safety. So utilizing different balls all the time. So, you know, with, uh, with Roger, he'd probably step in and take it on the rise. Uh, I know he uses the saber, you know, at times, but he takes one on the rise and then he'll go through the middle of the court and rush the, the server for time. Or he might slice it short and low cross court. And then, you know, the opponent will then lift one up and then he can attack on the next ball. It's generally not that first ball they attack on. And, you know, they utilize that first shot to really pressure the opponent to then have an easier chance to, to attack on the next ball. And as we talk about attacking with safety, you know, you don't just attack from any kind of shot. You've got to be in the right position with your feet planted to be able to attack. And I think that's a really important motto to have. And we talk about Nadal when he sets up his feet. Nadal can do anything off any ball. But if you have Nadal on the move and you have him in, in situations where he can't do much, it's hard to attack. So, you know, Roger and Ash attack with a, a mindset of a, a, um, an all-court player, which yeah. is changing speeds, lengths, shapes, spins, heights, depths, widths, etc. Not just pure, brutal, you know, attacking mindset as we probably think of it is hitting winners off every ball. And I think it's a, a different ploy. It's a different way of playing. But 
you know, they, they play it so smart and set the point up so well. Yeah. And just on the topic of Nadal, I know we've touched on this example a few times, but the, his lefty forehand, which he uses, usually clears about centrally on, on the net. So in the lowest part of the net with a high sort of margin over the net, um, and it goes to the right hand as backhand. And, and we talked in the previous episode about robust strategy for things 9-2 on clay. So he can repeat that over and over again. So I'll, we won't dwell too much on that. But the last one uh, is an interesting one. And it's, it's really looking at Thomas Burke. And, and particularly when he came on to a uh, early on, he had a lot of success against Nadal. And he used to attack up the middle of the court with a lot of power, taking away angles. And um, yeah, for you to unpick that a bit. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we talk about Nadal a lot. And, you know, there's, there's a reason we talk about the best players all the time because su- success leaves footprints. And when I talk about success leaving footprints, I think Thomas Burditch's plan against Nadal actually has left footprints for other players. Now, you know, you might have a game plan, but you still got to execute it. And I think Thomas Burditch really executes game plans well against Nadal and hardcore especially. Now, I don't know the numbers about, you know, winning ratios about Burditch versus Nadal and hardcore, but I would say he would have had a, a decent record against Nadal. And the one thing that really stands out to me in the game plan that Burditch has against Nadal is Nadal needs angles, he needs time, he needs space. What Burdich does with his big flat ground strokes is he plays through the center of the court. And playing through the center of the court reduces angle, it reduces time, it reduces space. So what it then does, Nadal is then forced to play more of a length game rather than a width game. If you get into a width game with Nadal, you're in trouble. And I think it's important that we, we understand to get into that length game. So Burdich plays through the middle, takes away the time, space and angles. Nadal tries to hit the ball up high and heavy and then he can't actually shift his positioning to sit in the backhand corner like he does on a slower court. So what then happens is he has to play more of a neutral game. And that's what Nadal doesn't want to play. And I think Burdich over time understood that if I take away his angles and space, he then has to play my game, which is up and down the middle of the court a little bit more often. And that's where the success and the repeatability of success for Burdich probably came in. And I know a lot of players succeeding that have started to do that to Nadal. Not always successfully because we know how good Nadal can be and he's an amazing athlete, but it is one of the major uh, tactical or strategical game plans to play against Rafa. So I'm keen, Mark, to... Um and I know you touched on it with our various examples, but what sort of general tips can you give to um, well, certainly coaches, but, but, but also players to help them identify things that with repeatability, but also uh, causes some, um, some pain to their opponents? Yeah, I think, you know, in all levels of the game, we've got to have some sort of margin for error when we hit a ball. So when we think about the top players, you know, they don't aim for the line. They still have a margin that they aim for. And then if they don't quite execute what they want, it'll still go in. And no matter what kind of level you are, the margin may be bigger for a junior player. So always teach your players to have, um, we call them safe lines. So it's a line within a line. So if you're thinking of the sideline, you might have a meter gap if you're a young player or a meter and a half. And the top players might have you know half a meter for example of a margin for error so always give yourself some sort of margin because we're not always going to execute perfectly and i think that's a really key component of of coaching and a key component of playing the second one is as a young player or growing up i know i was i was always taught by my dad to move the player around you know hit the ball where the player isn't that's generally not the right way to play i think we've got to play to where the ball tells us we can play so defensively you might play more cross court offensively you might play more down the line um, or if you've got time you can do whatever you like with the ball but the other misconception I find in coaching and playing is that and I was always taught this as a player is 
don't hit the ball down the middle. Whereas I actually coach, hit the ball down the middle. Why? Because it takes away the time and the space from the opponent. It takes away the ability for the opponent to create angles. If you're a really poor mover, you'd want to play through the middle of the court so your opponent can't spread the court as much. So these are kind of the misconceptions. And when you attack, you can also attack through the middle of the court. Um, and it's no different to serving. You can also attack through body serving. You don't always have to serve wide. And I think if you can attack through margin, then we start to limit our errors. But then also possibly, as we've spoken about in previous episodes, we can force more error upon our opponent. And I think that you know we can, we can really improve the way that our players play by just increasing the amount of space that they have to work with and then you know decreasing the space the opponent has to work with as well so i hope that clarifies that for you that was a great great insight and i think that uh also growing up i think that was um a few myths as well and, and the, the big one was don't don't go up the middle don't use the body serve they're the two things and i, I recall that i it was embedded in my head in the coach so you, you kind of avoid that tactic but coming in and looking at data it's 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 clear as well that 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 is something that they should have in their arsenal and and like you touched on it might not be your strength going up the middle is actually one of the better tactics that you've got in your arsenal and let me clarify that too because i've said to play in the middle to a lot of my kids at times and they just pop the ball in the middle of the court it's not just letting the ball sit up in the middle of the court it's actually penetrating the middle of the court and not giving time if you give too much time the opponent can then still do something with the ball yeah. from the center of the court so i think that's the, the real um important part to understand as well it's a bit of depth or speed or whatever it was also going to force the error so it's a really important part about playing through the center of the court is limiting your errors but limiting the ability for the opponent to actually create angle on you as well yeah so i think like shane like that's a Probably this topic here is a really important one to tie in a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of taking the initiative, being aggressive and looking for, you know, the, the forcing errors. It's important for us to also limit our errors. So obviously the topic is attack with safety. It's important that we all understand we need to attack with safety. Um, you know, the numbers don't lie. We play an errors game. So, you know, force the error, but also limit the chance that you have of making errors. And that's obviously hopefully the biggest takeaway point for our listeners on today's episode and, and obviously Shane you know um, you're as dynamic with that hairdo as always mate you're slick with your, with your data you're slick with your movement um, and obviously we're able to uncover a lot of what the top players are doing to hopefully then uh, pass this on to our you know lower players our junior players our recreational players to be able to utilize in their game so as always mate you, you've come up with the goods once again thanks guys and uh, yeah we'll see you next week Thanks again. That was the data from uh, Shane Leonage, data-driven sports analytics guru, the one with the slick hairdo, and I've been Master Falls from the Tennis Menu. Thanks once again. Today was all about attacking with safety. Make sure you use plenty of margin the next time you step on the court. Force the error, and obviously give your opponent no time, no space, no angle. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.